0: Chapter 7 Huh? Christian blinked awake, looking around, confused. He was lying in bed. A knock at the door had awoken him from his slumber. He looked under the blankets to see he was in his pajamas. He slid out of bed and looked out the window down into the courtyard. He saw no signs of the wolf. There was nothing in the copse of trees nestled along the back wall of the courtyard. What an odd dream, he said to himself as he walked over to the dresser, picking up the pants he thought he had fallen asleep in. A knock came again at the door. Christian, are you decent? A voice asked. It sounded like Melanie. Um, almost, he replied, moving to grab a shirt, looking through the closet. He heard the click of the lock as the door opened. Good morning, Christian, Melanie said as she walked in going about her daily chores. Christian blushed and turned his back to her, trying to find the bottom of his shirt. Melanie glanced over at him, smirking. Then she began straightening the bedsheets and fluffing the pillows. Christian looked over his shoulder after he managed to tug the garment on over his head, watching Melanie work for a minute before shaking his head. You really do not have to do that, he interrupted. I have been doing it myself for years. It does not feel right letting someone else do my work. <sighs> it's not your work when it's when you're here. It's mine. No, really. Do not worry about it, Christian said, reaching for a blanket, attempting to tug it out of Melanie's hands. Melanie smiled. Chris, please. I wouldn't be doing my job if I let you do it. It is my pleasure, really. She held on to her end of the blanket, pulling on it. You're being silly. i um, Just go help Erica. I am sure she would love the attention right now. Just let me finish things up here, and I will... He did not get a chance to finish his thought as Melanie gave a sharp pull on the blanket, stronger than he expected. He tumbled forward into her, knocking them both off balance. Christian managed to get his hands out in front of him in time to brace himself against the floor when he fell. Melanie laughed, landing on her back, with Christian on top of her. Melanie, I... Christian again found his comment cut short, but for a different reason. Melanie lifted her arms up and pulled Christian's head down to hers until he felt her lips pressed to his. Up until now, the only woman Christian had ever been kissed by was his mother. But this experience was different. It was not unpleasant, he thought. He could feel Melanie's fingers running through his hair. Her lips tasted sweet like maple syrup. He did not know what to do, so he just kept his hands braced against the floor. "'Miss Melanie Cooks!' Mrs. Fensworth's voice filled the room as Christian's senses returned to him, and he snapped his body back and up, with enough force to break Melanie's embrace. Melanie's head lifted, reluctant to lease her hold. After Christian had managed to remove himself from atop Melanie, she looked to Miss Fensworth with a rather jovial expression. Me? He was kissing me, Mrs. Fensworth. Melanie's voice had a hint of humor in it. Child, that excuse may fly with Mr. Hornoodle, but I am wise to your games, Miss Fensworth rebuked, walking into the room over to Christian. Look, listen, I am terribly sorry, Christian said. It was an accident. I told Melanie not to do my chores, and... Christian, I know it's not your fault, Miss Fensworth said. Melanie, please go to your room and wait for me there. But Madeline, Melanie started, but her expression changed from humor to hurt. Don't Madeline me. Go to your room and wait for me there. I need to talk to Christian. She left no room for argument. Melanie shook her head, getting up, smoothing her skirt out. She smiled and waved goodbye to Christian before turning and walking out into the hall. Christian scratched his head, realizing he still had the blanket they had been fighting over, then tossed it onto the bed. Um, look, I did not mean to, I just, we were fighting over chores and I slipped. Miss Fensworth listened for a moment before she let out a little laugh of her own. Christian, believe you me, this is not your fault. I do not understand. Let me explain, Miss Fensworth began, taking a seat on the edge of the bed. Christian nodded, taking a seat next to her. Melanie will be turning seventeen a few weeks from now. She's spent the better part of three years here. As a maid, I know. As a maid, but also a resident. Christian gave Miss Fensworth a puzzled expression. Oh, Jamie and Rachel work here too, but they go home at the end, or, depending on the shift, the beginning of the day. They have parents in the city, friends they've met and grown up with. Madeline looked at Christian. He nodded, telling her to continue. Melanie was barely in the city long enough before she found herself trying to steal from the mansion. They weren't from here originally. I'm not sure when they were separated from their parents, but it's been for a significant amount of time. They wandered from city to city, never staying long, until her brother thought he could make a living here. You already know how that turned out. Right, that is how she started working here in the first place, Christian offered. Correct, but at the end of the day, Melanie stays here. For a while after the incident with her brother, She was afraid to go back outside, worried she might get kidnapped, or worse, by the guild. Her brother's life was spared, deals were made, but she always feared repercussions. After a few months of this, she didn't really ever venture out. She made friends with Rachel, and she started to make friends with Jamie, but those are her only friends. Sure, she talks to me and Jenner and the rest of the staff, but we're all a fair deal older than she is. "'Do Rachel and Jamie make good friends?' Christian asked. "'Oh, I'm sure they do,' Miss Fensworth ventured. "'But she doesn't really have any male friends her age.' "'Well, Jenner is not that old,' Christian said, looking puzzled. "'Jenner is the master of the house and her boss, and twice her age,' Miss Fensworth stated, her voice taking on a commanding tone. "'Too old to be spending his time with young teenagers.' And anyway, Jenner isn't looking to be that kind of friend. I'm not sure I understand. Does she meet people at the parties? What parties? The parties at the theater shows. Those are held at the theater, Christian. Jenner rarely if ever throws parties here. And if he does, they're usually when his mother comes to visit and she wants to see some of her old acquaintances. Again, a very much older crowd. Okay, Christian thought for a moment, then turned back to Miss Fensworth. I still do not know what this has to do with what happened earlier. Melanie is lonely, Christian, but she has everyone here. I believe she's looking for younger friends. Like Rachel and Jamie. Male friends, Christian. Oh, I mean, I can be her friend. I, I mean, I am her friend. Does she not think we're friends?" Christian looked confused again. Madeline regarded the boy before she herself looked confused. "'I think Melanie likes you, Christian,' Miss Fansworth said. "'I think she likes you in that special way that people find themselves liking one another.' Melanie doesn't get to meet many men her age. And any time she has, when she's been around them for more than a few weeks, she gets very affectionate. And I imagine being as handsome as you are doesn't help matters, she added, watching Christian blush. But, Miss Fensworth added, her voice once again taking on the tone of house matriarch, Melanie is also somewhat socially awkward, as her display of affection just a few minutes ago no doubt caught you off guard. She wants to get to know you better, but the manner in which she wants to might not be right at the moment, for either of you. Do you understand what I'm saying, Christian? I I think so. Just take things slow. Right. And consider her feelings, and your feelings, and where you want these things to go. Right. You two are near the same age, it's only natural, but don't let lack of options push you together. Right. Perfect. I'm glad we've had this conversation, Christian, Miss Fensworth said, standing up and giving Christian a hug before excusing herself and telling Christian he is expected at breakfast. Oh, and one last thing, the reason I came here in the first place, she began, standing in the doorway. If you are going to spend the night outdoors, at least put on some sensible clothes. You'll catch your death out there in nothing but your pants. What do you mean, Miss Fensworth? Last night, Gregory found you asleep in the courtyard, barely dressed, snoring on the cobblestones. No, really? Christian asked. Was I? What, don't you remember? No, I guess I remember. I just thought it had been a dream. Christian got up and walked to the window, looking down into the courtyard. Mrs. Fensworth? Yes, Christian? Do any wolves live in the courtyard? I beg your pardon? Wolves, you know, wolves, wild dogs. Christian, are you sure you're feeling all right? Miss Fensworth asked, looking concerned. Yes, yes, I'm fine. It, It is nothing. Forget I asked. As you wish, Christian, she replied, bowing her head before exiting the room. Once she was gone, Christian got dressed, but not before going to the window one last time. But it did him no good. If his late night visitor had been real, there was no sign now. He felt rather silly. Looking at the courtyard, there was no way an animal could have gotten in or out. The only way in was through the mansion. Maybe I was sleepwalking? he thought as he went downstairs. Melanie was nowhere to be seen but Jamie was there to greet him at the breakfast table. Erica, Jenner, and Gregory were already eating. Gregory grunted an acknowledgment to Christian between fistfuls of sausages and tearing into his pancakes. Jenner also seemed to be ravenous, saying hello with no more than a nod of his head in Christian's direction. How are you this morning? Christian turned to Erica, who seemed to be in very good spirits. "'I am fine. I just overslept, I guess,' Christian said, grabbing a chair and sitting down next to Erica, taking a plate and filling it with an omelette and hash browns. "'Oh, let me get that for you, Christian,' Jamie said, reaching for the plates. She grabbed the edge of the plate holding the omelettes, causing the dish to flip over when she picked it up, dumping the contents onto the table. "'It is all right. Do not worry about it,' Christian said rescuing one of the omelets from the table, placing it on his plate. Jenner seemed not to notice, and Gregory chuckled. "'Sorry, Christian, I don't mean to be so clumsy,' Jamie said, looking down at the floor in embarrassment. "'Nothing a little self-confidence wouldn't fix,' Jenner said in a lighthearted tone, looking up from his food long enough to smile at Jamie and then go back to breakfast. "'So what is on the agenda for today?' Christian asked, looking over at Jenner. Well, Jenner said, between bites of blueberry muffin, it appears that my weeks of spying might finally yield some results. My mark has informed me that I'll finally be working a serious job, and if it turns out well, I get to meet the boss, which is good for us, Jenner added. Once we have this person's name, we can bring them to justice? Christian asked. Well, if it's the right person. But either way, we should have the right person to get questions answered. Are you going to need our help? The question came from Erica, not Christian. She looked at Jenner, who could not tell if she was eager or hesitant. No, not for this part. The less people involved in undercover work, the better. Bringing in more would just make Malcolm or his boss suspicious. And it's rather hard to mask your ages. No, once this is done, then you can help. But this is really going to give us something to work with. Speaking of which, Gregory and myself must be on our way. I have a meeting with Malcolm in a little bit about the details. In the meantime, the two of you just lay low and practice your lessons. Jenner was wiping his chin, getting up to go when he remembered something. Christian Wright, Miss Fensworth said she had to talk to you about something this morning? Anything I should know? Uh, "'Apparently I was sleepwalking, or something. "'She said Gregory found me outside last night.' "'Jenner turned to look at Gregory, who nodded. Erica looked with concern at Christian, who just shrugged in reply. "'Well, nothing too pressing, then. "'Some bars on the window and doors ought to do the trick,' Jenner said, smiling. "'Christian looked concerned, but Jenner assured him that drastic measures would not be taken, "'and that maybe he should be getting more sleep. "'With that,' Jenner and Gregory left the room. Melanie, really? You're surprised? Well, I'm not sure what to say. Just guess I don't know the girls as well as you do. Gregory steered the carriage down a side aisle as they got closer to the market district. Jenner rode right inside the carriage, conversing with Gregory through a narrow window at the front of the carriage. No, Melanie is very curious about boys. She's put a move or two on a handful of strapping young gentlemen who've been over for a rare party, or a son of a friend of the family that visits, things like that. And Chris has been here far longer than any of them. How'd you find this out, anyway? Been spying on the boy? Jenner bit into an apple, chewing a while before answering. Remember when I said Mrs. Fensworth said she had something important to talk to me about? Christian? Yeah, that. Well, it is Miss Fensworth we're talking about, and it's a girl in her charge. Jenner took another bite. Right, right, enough of this talk. We're getting close. You ready? Since we left the mansion. Very good, sir. I shall see you after. Gregory drove the cart out to the alleyway, pulling up next to the baker shop. He stepped off the driver's seat and secured the horses before stepping inside. Jenner slid off his seat, grabbing a latch on the floor of the carriage, and pulled up, revealing an opening into the street below. Gregory had parked over a grate that led down into the sewers. Jenner kneeled down, then reached the the opening in the floor of the carriage and grabbed the grate in both hands, giving a firm hard pull, until he felt it swing up. He leaned the lip against the opening in the carriage floor, then grabbed his things and dropped down, catching himself on the cobblestones that lined the opening to the sewer below. He found the first railing he had hammered in a few days ago, then reached up and lowered the grate back over the opening. He then began his descent. This tunnel was the only one that ran between where he met Malcolm at and the river that ran out to the ocean. Years ago, Many an odd sea creature had found their way into this end of the system, so many people avoided it like the plague. When Jenner had found this grate, he knew it would be the best way to make his entrance. It allowed him to come in from a pipe that all knew could be dangerous, without putting himself in any real danger. Much like the courts and the stage, image could take you very far in the streets below the streets. Sighing as he realized he needed to make the trip from one end of the sewer to the other look convincing, he knelt down and rolled around on the floor a bit, soiling his clothes until he thought it would pass for a tussle with some lurking thug. Then he stood up and jogged the last half mile into the duct system. When he got close enough to see a few people lying about the floor, he slowed his approach a little, walking forward with a mixture of swagger and bravado feigning a yawn as he walked between the two would-be guards into the main system. "'You do so little with your end of the place, don't you?' he said to the guards as they turned, surprised to see where the man had come from. When they recognized him as Malcolm's soldier, they offered him a gruff hello. "'Vince, right?' "'That's me,' Jenner said, looking about the chamber.' It was the central spillway, where a number of pipes emptied into before flowing out the pipe he had just come in through. It was home to a dozen or so citizens who had either fallen on hard times, had nowhere else to go, or needed to lay low from the watch. Malcolm been about? Jenner asked, looking back to the two guards. Yeah, he was through a bit ago. Went down to the Hollis. Should still be there one guard said, scratching the side of his head, some dead skin flaking off. Down it is then, Jenner said, turning and heading to the southern end of the spillway. Years back, most of the sewage used to spill down into an underground river. Then, a couple of years back, the city found out they were pumping garbage into the Ural River that ran through Arthens Hill, a little village to the south. What had been passed off as a poisoned river was then cleaned and siphoned, and had become drinkable, fishable water later in the year since the purification. Sealing off the tunnel leading to the river would have cost a pretty penny. So instead, the mayor let a Majir give a solution to try. He said in exchange for letting him test a theory, he would do the work free of charge. The theory had worked, for the most part. The Majir had wanted to construct a magical barrier, one that would filter the trash out from the water. When things went down the tunnel, the trash would stop and the water would continue. Except, instead of stopping, the barrier caused the trash to ricochet. Sometimes the trash would hit an angle that caused it to go back up the tunnel, causing a little bit of a line of trash around the opening. But over the years, it just created a gigantic perpetual eruption of garbage and filth, clanging and smashing and colliding up and down the length of the tunnel. What they saved in trash removal, they spent in erecting a soundproof door that led to the hollers. It got the name because of all the trash. You had to holler if you wanted to hear someone. Jenner could hear the din behind the door as he approached it. He nodded at a man standing guard nearby, who waved to Jenner before getting up and throwing a lever, causing a portion of the door to swing open, a raucous cacophony greeting him on the other side. Jenner grimaced as he nodded to the man, passing through the door. Jenner hated the haulers. It was loud, unsettling, and it was hard to hear someone sneaking up on you. The lowlifes liked it because no one could hear the screams of their victims. Haram's winger, Kulmint's one-time mass murderer, used to see how much of a body he could saw off off before the person died. He had called the haulers home before he had finally been caught but the watch gave up recovering all the bits and pieces of his victims. All this ran through Jenner's mind as the door shut behind him. He could see the refuse cresting the pit up ahead, wondering how much garbage and how much was unrecognizable body parts from killings past. He continued forward until he saw the stairs sinking into the floor ahead, which he followed. He went down a few yards until the stairs reached the pit, at which point a metal grate had been installed, both to keep people from falling in and to keep the refuse out. A few slideable parts had been installed at regular intervals, but how or why anything would need to get in or be taken out, he could not imagine. The smell was so bad he had to take out a handkerchief and cover his nose and mouth. The dull green and rusty red sludge that constantly dripped and splattered on the grating painted a dreary atmosphere. The denizens, who had lived down here, had, over the years, carved out levels that went into the bedrock. What had once been a narrow stairwell leading to the barrier was now a network of caves, tunnels, and living quarters for those who had nowhere else to go. A few people seemed to have bothered to erect doors and barricades to keep people out, but for the most part, the man-made tunnels were unobstructed, inviting the adventurous and the unlucky to journey their passageways at their own peril. One such tunnel was where Jenner was headed now. Though as luck would have it, it was the very last tunnel on the very bottom floor. A narrow passageway right before the stairwell took a sharp turn to the left, which ended at a steel, majeure-enforced door that, to the best of his knowledge, had not been opened since it had been built. It led to the underground river. He looked to his right, but as always, the buildup of debris and refuse made any vision to the barrier impossible. Only the deafening racket of the trash at its loudest signified the near nearby barricade. Jenner turned to the tunnel. He reached his hand up toward the ceiling, finding a length of rope, and giving it a few hard pulls. The rope made its way several yards down the tunnel, attached to a series of metal bars that would alert anyone in the tunnel that company approached. When he had first come down here with Malcolm, he had asked what purpose the rope served if people not meant to be in the tunnel snuck in and did not alert anyone of their presence. What help the alert really was. Malcolm had smiled, letting Jenner go ahead to the main room, where Malcolm followed after. As he waited for Malcolm, he heard a set of bells that went on for some time. A few minutes later, Malcolm entered. He said that a couple of yards of floorboards had been rigged to make those bell noises if anything moved on top of them. That way, if they heard the bells and no bars, someone thought they were being sneaky. But if both were heard, at least the occupants had the peace of mind of expecting someone who knew they had been given who knew they had their location given away. The tunnel was dark, but narrow enough that he could put his hands out to either side to guide his way. The noise died down a little, and he knew he was getting close. what do I owe the occasion?' Jenner said, seeing the dim lighting up ahead. "'Dougie long enough. Out seeing the sights?' Malcolm yelled back. As Jenner entered the room, he saw Malcolm sitting on the edge of a table. Malcolm had adorned the room a decent amount to Jenner's surprise. A few couches, two tables, numerous chairs. Rugs and blankets covered most of the floor and walls. He liked the place, truth be told. Malcolm had said that just because they did business in the lowest of the lows did not mean they had to look the part. A comment Jenner could hear himself saying. On one of the couches, Jenner thought he recognized a woman he had seen down here before, but it was hard to tell. Malcolm tossed a small coin purse in her direction, motioning that it was time to leave. She took the purse, looked inside, then smiled at both Jenner and Malcolm before taking her leave. Why you pay for something that a little effort could get you for free, I'll never understand, Jenner smirked, slipping into his Vincent persona. Ah, don't kid yourself, Vincent. Whether it's with coin, security, or sanity, you always pay for it. Malcolm returned, stretching once the lady had left. He rubbed his shoulders as he paced about the room. At least with the coin, there's no other bullshit I have to pretend that I care about, and I can send her on the way when I need to. Ever the efficient businessman, Jenner complimented. Right, you are. I lost my reason long enough to get hitched to a dame. Never again. I ain't got to learn that lesson twice. Malcolm picked a beer off a table, taking a swig before spitting half of it out, looking at the bottle. You think with all their magic, Majer could come up with a way to keep a man's beer cold? That I'd pay good money for. He took another swig before sighing in disgust and tossing it. Enough chit-chat. we got a break-in to plan. Break-in? I thought you said this would be big. All we've been doing is break-ins, Jenner sighed, leaning up against a wall. Well, this is the kind of break-in where you kill some people once you break in. Malcolm let a smile curl the edges of his mouth. Finally, some real action. Nah, we ain't doing the killing. Just doing some scouting and acting as backup if things get too hairy. Sounds like a big job. Jenner hoped it was. He had been on several late-night excursions with Malcolm so far, but nothing that amounted to much. A few break-ins, some street-mugging, some bait-and-switch, some tailing, but nothing that gave any indication of the Guild's previous work. Nothing that tied into the fire at the Rat or the murder and kidnapping of Erica's family. Once, about a week ago, he had been tasked to feel out the place where all the out-of-work actors and crew were hanging out while the fate of the Rat's future was decided. Malcolm had been very impressed with the wealth of information Vincent had been able to dig up in only a few days. Jenner never found out what the information had been used for, but from what they had been asked about, he had been pretty sure they were looking for Valerie. Jenner had been worried they would take, they would tie his arrival with her sudden disappearance, but nothing had gone awry so far. Malcolm said, shaking his head, looking at the floor. Not big enough for Malcolm? Jenner asked. I never really had a taste for killing brats. It ain't for real working men. Malcolm stuck out a hand and counted off three fingers. Malcolm stuck out a hand and counted off three fingers. Brutes, bitches, and bureaucrats. People that go after brats either seriously want to get someone's attention or have peculiar taste in bed partners. Adults are predictable. Kids do random shit you never expect. One time this girl tried to bite my... Malcolm's voice trailed off, looking at Jenner. Are you up for this? What am I here for? Jenner said, shaking his head, realizing he had lost focus on what Malcolm had been saying. Then pay attention, Malcolm finished. Right, so what these kids do anyways? That the Guild wants them nicked? Not the Guild. Some friend of Grant's from up north calling in a favor. They're sending some trained assassin down here to do it, but we're supposed to find a way into the place that they're at. Don't assassins usually work alone, all that cloak and dagger shit? Jenner said, trying to find out more. Hell if I know. Whoever this is isn't supposed to stick around long. They're coming in, we do the job, and then they're heading out that night. More's to my liking. So what, some rich noble piss off someone and they want to send a message? You and your questions. How many times do we have to discuss this? You sit there, you shut up, and I'll tell you what's what. Jenner fought to keep the smile off his face. It was a delicate balance of being competent, but not seeming too good at his job. He had to be charismatic enough to be liked, but have enough annoying traits to not be anyone's favorite. And no one in this line of work liked anyone too inquisitive. Anyway, it's not some rich brat. It's a pair of kids staying at the mansion owned by that theater chap. Years of practice allowed Jenner to keep his face straight, but his mind was spinning. Malcolm now had his undivided attention. What's the plan? The place is huge, big as any noble's house to be sure. We gotta case the place, find where the two kids are staying, and figure out the best way to sneak in and out before anyone's the wiser. Are there... Kids other than just the two we're looking for at the place? Yeah, I word he's got a couple of maids near the same age. But it's not them we're looking for. One's a boy. Captain Telpin's kid. The late watchman. Uh, others some girl. Jenner was somewhat happy to know that Malcolm had such a one-minded view of women. It made it easier for him to dislike the guy. Outside of his view of the female of the species, Jenner had grown somewhat fond of him might have turned out like Melanie had they met at a younger age, but Malcolm had been raised in the criminal element too long to turn. Any time Jenner found himself feeling sympathy for Malcolm, he had but to mention that some sweet little thing he was swooning over to hear Malcolm go on a rant about how women were good for one thing, and anyone who thought otherwise was doomed to be whipped and penniless for the rest of their life. It was the same attitude that kept him where he was in the guild, as a number of members above him were female and knew all too well what he thought of them. Could you be more specific since you just said there were three more of them that worked there? Jenner said, thinking it the best course to pursue. Some little girl with long hair and two big braids, uh, Rika or Brika or something like that, she hangs out with the captain's son a lot. Is the captain's son the only boy there? Only boy his age. All the rest are our age or older. So, just those two, for now. Jenner raised his eyebrows, looking at Malcolm. What? That's what Grant said, Malcolm said in a huff, looking at Jenner. If the plans change, I'll let you know. When's the job, Jenner asked, moving on. A little over a week. Should be more than enough time between the two of us. Just us? This surprised Jenner. Malcolm had a pool of hired help he drew from and this would be the first time he ever did a job with Malcolm Solo. Not my decision. Assassin didn't even want us, but you seem to get on well with those two theater people before, and hell if I'm letting you handle something like this yourself. Malcolm smiled. If things went well, it would mean good business for all involved, and Malcolm wanted to be involved in that kind of business. Sides, can't have you bubbling things up. Never said I minded, just saying is all. Just then, the overhead chain sounded. Jenner looked back over his shoulder while Malcolm scratched his head. A few minutes later, the weighted plate went off as well. Jenner moved his hand to the dagger he kept in the inside pocket of his vest. Malcolm put a hand up to calm him, looking more curious than cautious. The visitor turned out to be a woman in a short, dark, green dress with a heavy tan and long black hair. "'Well, that's my cue to go,' Jenner said, taking his dagger out and flipping it end over end in the air, catching it by the tip, then putting it back away as he stood up, offering a little nod to the raven-haired woman. "Uh, "'Wait up, wait up. Walk with me a minute,' Malcolm said, getting up, pushing past the woman." She sat down and reclined on the couch, yawning. Don't you go anywhere, Malcolm turned and added as he walked with Jenner to the exit. She whistled, not appearing to have any inclination to get up. Not to your liking, Jenner asked as they left the room, though he doubted that. Listen, don't botch this thing up. Not that you've botched anything in the past, Malcolm added, seeing his partner's beginning of an utterance. This ain't a normal job. I don't know yet, but I hear this assassin's weird. A majeure or something. Something ain't normal. I plan on doing some digging, but be ready. I ain't got no reason to think Grant wants either of us dead, but I don't know any assassin that likes leaving friends and acquaintances around that know their business. Neither of us are becoming accidents during this break-in, you hear? Piss off, Malcolm. You getting soft on me? If some killer thinks they're going to get the better of me, that's their funeral, Jenner said, using a mix of disgust and mirth. Screw you and your gallantry. i got to worry for the both of us. Jenner nodded, and Malcolm saw him down to the pressure plate, at which point they parted ways, Jenner continuing his way out and Malcolm going back to his company. Jenner grinned as he made the entrance, then reached up and gave the bell a good pull. He smiled, wondering how long Malcolm would be half-distracted, waiting for some new guest to make an appearance. His trip back up to the hollers went much quicker. He had a lot on his mind. About a week. That's not a lot of time at all, Jenner said. No one was around to hear him. His words lost, the reverberations from the hollers, drowning out any rational thought in the area. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle Store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at josephporthos or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.